Did you know that nearly nine out of 10 home buyers say they'd use a buyer's agent when purchasing a home again? Buyer representation really matters when there's 111 to-dos. Visit Realtor.com slash Buyer Agent Toolkit and spread the word. Buyer agents are essential. For a while, it was kind of the brokerage that controlled our industry. And then that shifted to the agent in the last five, 10 years, where the agent became the free agent and the signing bonuses and all all of that that happened. But that shift forward, I think now the consumer actually has taken back power. I think the consumer in many cases is using technology better than a lot of our agents are. They will adapt quicker to the AI than a lot of the industry because the industry is afraid of the change. We're afraid of being replaced. We're afraid of a lot of things that really we should be embracing. Welcome to the Real Trending Podcast, where your host, Tracy Velt, Editorial Director of Real Trends, interviews the brightest minds in real estate. Each week, brokerage leaders, top agents, team leaders, and industry experts join Tracy to share trends, their secrets to success, and the lessons they learn navigating this ever-changing industry. Hi, I'm McKenna Clay, Events and Programs Specialist here at HW Media, and I am here to invite you today to our next event this summer. You might be wondering, how do you build a resilient brokerage, or how are execs at companies like Remax and Keller Williams being strategic? Well, you can learn from the greatest minds in real estate at this year's Gathering of Eagles event. Join us in Austin, Texas. June 18th through 21st as we bring together the most elite brokerage, association, and team leaders, C-suite leaders, and top producing agents to grow, network, and really set the pace for what's next in our industry. As a valued podcast listener, we're offering 25% off the event just for you. Use the code PODCAST23 on the events page on Realtrends.com. Again, that is PODCAST23, and we can't wait to see you in Austin. Welcome to the Real Trending Podcast, where we speak to the brightest minds in real estate about leadership, business growth, trends, and strategy. I'm your host, Tracy Velt, Senior Director of Data and Content for HW Media, which includes Real Trends and Housing Wire. And today, I'd like to welcome Paul Benson, CEO of Engel & Volker's Gestalt Group in Park City, Utah. His brokerage grew 93% over the past five years in transaction side percentage based on Realtrends 500 brokerage rankings data. And that makes him a Realtrends game changer for 2023. So congratulations. Uh, we'll dig into his business model, how he grew his brokerage and what the future holds for his firm. So welcome, Paul. Thanks, Tracy. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I want to talk about your growth first off. Um, you know, that type of growth is incredible. We only name, I think we have 17 game changers this year, you know, based on that transaction side percentage growth over five years. So tell me about those years. Um, did you have some mergers or acquisitions? What kind of guesstimate percentage organic growth versus um, M&A growth or, or other? Oh, absolutely. It's uh, actually very small growth outside of organic Uh for our first, up until about 18 months ago, all of our growth was organic. We never gave a single signing bonus. We didn't do any purchases, mergers, acquisitions. And uh, <clears throat> the majority of everyone hit, that had joined us, it was word of mouth, relationship. Um, they had a, a attraction to our brand, whatever it was. And, uh, and then recently, in the past 18 months, we did do two small mergers. 
but it's less than 10% of our company. Okay. Tell me about the, those mergers. Um, were they local like walkovers or actual mergers, acquisitions? They were actually other Engel and Volker's offices that uh, were in areas where maybe they were on an island and kind of like a situation where maybe they're in a ski town far away from, from any other location. So kind of hard to offer all of the services in today's world. Um to really have one office and be able to offer the services, the marketing, the team, the staff and everything with one office. So they wanted to be part of a bigger office so that they could kind of take advantage of more services without really it, uh, hurting the actual brokerage. So there were both Engel existing franchises, much like my own, and uh, they just merged into ours. Okay. I want to get into some specifics about your growth. Well, first of all, you, you did mention they came for whatever the reason might be, but obviously you have a strong culture of bi- or value proposition to offer them if they're, they're choosing to join your office and your growth is, is um, so high. So what do you feel like is that kind of difference maker or value proposition culture that you offer? You know, we, we've really drilled down on what our values are. Um, understanding that we're not for everybody and everybody's not for us, I guess is, is kind of the best way to look at it. But um, you know, we're we're maybe not the best brokerage for um, maybe a big Zillow team that uh, is is out there that really doesn't need us. They they become a brokerage within a brokerage, and whereas those that really value what we're building, they value networking. They value being part of something bigger than than themselves. They they value the relationships they have not only with other agents in their community but out of their market. So we really started looking for people that had the same value system and and holding to it. Yeah, that's so important. And I think it's a mistake that a lot of brokers make today is, you know, you, you get enthralled with that top producer or that agent who's right in that sweet spot for you without much of a thought to how how will they fit into what I'm building um, and then what happens is they're just not a cultural fit or, um, you know, they leave after a couple of years and, and then you're, you're doubling up your efforts to recruit again. Um, so tell me how do you, how are, what is your recruiting like? Do you have, uh, do you do the recruiting? Do you have a recruiter? Do your, uh, do you get a lot of referrals from your agents? Tell me how, what kind of recruiting process you have. I'd say uh, it, it's probably one of the things we've we've grown into, um, it, it, meaning how we do it today. Early on, yes, we probably picked up the phone and cold called agents, just like a lot of brokerages do, and had um, very little success with that. You know, really picking up the phone and begging someone to come to work for you. Uh, imagine that turned out not to be the best way to do things. Um, I, I would say. Right now, what we focus on is trying to create raving lunatic fans with our with our agents. So offering so much service and and really asking that agent, okay, if you like how we're treating you, if you like to be part of this, who do you know that you've done a deal with recently that would also like to be part of this and really have the introductions through the agents. And what I found is our areas where we're doing the best are frankly the areas where people are calling us and asking more about what we're doing because they see, they see people having fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and so do you, 
Um, is kind of recruiting your main area or do you have a recruiter on staff or do you, you know, it's the man, the brokers um, or managers? Fair questions. I'd say anyone that works, works in our organization is responsible for hiring, training and motivating everybody around us. Yeah. Okay. You no. Know, um, so from, from top down, if you're a transaction coordinator, if you're a marketing manager, if you're myself, um, you know, we are the billboards for the company. So um Really, we'll drop everything we're doing to meet somebody that's new, introduce the brokerage, introduce our services, introduce our team. Uh, we all wear that hat. Yes. Yeah. And I probably should have started with this, but, um, you know, why don't you tell uh, tell me a little bit about how many agents you have, um, you know, offices and that so people can get some perspective um, as we're talking about growth in that. Sure. Uh, England Volkers. uh as a franchise has been around for about 46 years and being a European franchise, uh, I would say it differs in, in kind of the approach to the community of a typical American franchise. Whereas um, the average Ingle and Volker's office on a global level is about 14 agents per office. So really going into a small community, having an office that's really not an office, it's more of a storefront and uh, a place that you come to shop, not come to work, uh, something that's part of the community, and uh, having a small enough team that everybody really knows each other and works together well, but uh, whatever that size is, large enough that you can actually service the community is really the, the formation of it. So I've tried to carry on that message. You know, each of our cities is a little different in size, so it varies, but I'm in, uh, I have 40 offices right now, uh, just over 900 uh, advisors are with us. And uh, that's spread out, though. Um, I'm in seven states uh, from Seattle down to uh, Laguna Beach in California, 18 in the Bay Area, Lake Tahoe, Aspen, Sun Valley in Scottsdale, and Park City is our headquarters. And uh, we, uh, I would say we balance the size of our, our brokerages in those communities with really um, the size of the community. We accelerate fastest in the smaller communities, such as a Napa a St. Helena, a Lake Tahoe, a Park City, those resort communities, uh, we become known pretty quickly. It takes us a little longer in a city. Okay, great. And I want to switch gears and kind of talk, um, you know, big picture as far as aha moment. I feel like every entrepreneur has had multiple aha moments, but, um, you know, as you expand and, and as you build your business, what was the one that really stands out to you where you thought, okay, wait a second, I have to switch gears or, um, you know, I really need a plan around this or, um, you know, I've learned a big lesson from, from this, you know, maybe failure or success. Yes, you're, you're correct. Many aha moments for sure. Probably every day there's an aha moment. Uh, you know, I would say it's just a general uh, business practice. Um, we started out early on. <clears throat> we never had, uh, I would say, corporate funding of any kind or, or certainly not publicly traded. So we kind of built it very organically. And early on, we'd kind of meet an agent team and that team was big enough. We wanted to open an office. And the belief is as we grew that team, we would invest more in the leadership of that office and the, and the management of that office and kind of stayed away from the big salaries to start out and so forth. I look back on that as probably a mistake and uh, because those offices took many years to grow. For example, whereas 
looking back at the very first office where I started with maybe an overpriced leadership position, it grew much faster. And, you know, the lesson there is it's not about the money as much as, uh, well, it's always about the money. I mean, you you certainly have budgets and so forth. But what I mean by it is that it was more about really making sure that from top down there was leadership and at the highest level of leadership. So somebody that was there guiding the ship, because no matter how talented that team was, no matter how amazing that real estate agent was, they at some point needed that leadership. And that's where the growth really started accelerating. When we, when I shifted gears and stopped trying to recruit those great agents and focused on finding the great leaders and the great managers that uh, could go in and, um, um, and let them do what they do best. So what qualities have you found across the board um, that, you know, really made those those great leaders? What do you look for? Are there are certain questions you ask or um, like I know, for example, Larry Kendall, um, you know, coach Ninja Coaching, he said his he suggests the question, you know, when did you have your first job, whether it's an agent or a leader and the younger they've had their first job the more motivated, ambitious, and successful they end up being. He, he's found that to be true. But what do you what do you look for? It's interesting. You know, I, I'd say number one quality that I look for is, is just energy. Like I, I definitely want to know that that person has that it factor, that spark, that, um, that attraction when you walk into a room where they want to be there, they have the energy to be there, they have the energy to inspire others because – on a, on a deeper level for me, it's, it's, I'm looking for people who use key words that tell me they care more about leadership than management. And what I mean by that is as a manager, we can manage tasks. We can tell people to do something, hold them accountable for doing something, threaten them if they don't do something, you know, uh, as leaders, we inspire people. And the only way you inspire people is you really have to care. You have to actually love the people you're working with and see things through their eyes and take the time to do that. And by doing that, we can kind of bring people along in a way that we all want to be there and we all want to be part of something. So that quality really drills down to, do you care more about yourself or do you care about others? And, um, you know, a series of questions usually will pull that out. Uh, but really that's what I'm looking for. Someone that really cares so much unselfishly about others that it's not just something they're doing as a job. It's something deep within them that they just really enjoy helping others. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Do you find that it holds true for agents and team leaders as well? That same, um, or do you look for something maybe a little bit different in, in them? I mean, not all, not all agents are necessarily leaders per se, but yeah, yeah, that was my first thought when you asked that question is mm-hmm. <clears throat> agents are very, they're so across the board as individuals, you know, mm-hmm. it's, there's certainly agents that are very successful because they approach the business from more of an engineering background. They under, mm-hmm. maybe they sell vineyards and they understand the dirt quality and the, and, and, and the business aspect of it and can really break that down. And then I've seen others that are really amazing at motivating a team to get out there and pick up the phone and call. So I, I would say, though, what I'm looking for in, in an agent is um, somebody that cares about being part of our culture mm-hmm. rather than cares more about what we're going to do for them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's that's one of those things of really the best way to put it is how entitled are they? Mm-hmm. 
And I think I've learned to accept that no matter how much volume or production they do, there's an entitlement factor that will make it unhealthy for the brokerage. Yeah, and and that's actually um, one of the topics at the this year's gathering of Eagles in June um, that we'll be talking about is is recruitment um, and the mistakes that brokers make based on um, assuming that it's all about the money for the agent and that's it. When sure. that it, it's of course the money is always important, but it's not the single and only thing. Um, that an agent wants out of their brokerage. And so if you're just recruiting them with incentives and, and, and money, they, once they get to your brokerage, there may be not like a cultural fit that isn't right. Or there could be a value, like the value proposition that you offer isn't exactly what they expected or wanted um, because you sold them on the money rather than, than the, the intangibles of the brokerage or the, the value, you know, the value that the brokerage offers. Do you find that? hundred percent. If you lead with money, you're going to lose them with money. Yeah. At some point, somebody's <laughs> going to offer them more money. Um, you know, it's, uh, I, I think it, it's one of those things where, you can't be desperate. You really have to hold true to what your values are and just hold that line. And if that person's not a fit, then there's going to be somebody that is. I mean, if you've really built the culture that you believe you have and you have the support, you know, the marketing team, the the coaching in today's world, the leadership. Um, I'm finding something lately that I've never seen in the industry is that even the best agents want leadership again and management again. And I've thought a lot about it recently because I, you see so many agents now um, getting coaching. We've always had agents getting coaching, but I, that number's exponentially higher lately. And <clears throat> I, I remember it just seemed for the last decade, most agents would say, I don't need a manager. Just give me support. Just get out of my way. Give me my marketing person. Give me my transaction coordinator. Let me do my thing. Those same agents came out of... Um, you know, the, the pandemic really busy when a lot of things changed, you know, now we have, we're talking about AI. Now we're talking about, um, and not that it's brand new, but we're talking about it finally. And, you know, there was going into it, we have Facebook and Instagram, and now there's TikTok and gosh knows how many others. And, and so as an agent, we have to figure out, oh, okay, like I got to figure out a CRM because now for the first time, everyone's doing it. You know, I've got to figure out uh, which social media to be on. What's the difference in the platforms? What print should I still do or should I still do? And really everyone has their hand up finally saying, I, I really do want leadership. I really do want help. I really do want coaching. I really do want support. And, you know, we're trying to build that. Yeah, that's an interesting observation. And I can completely see that um, because during the pandemic, you really were kind of on your own. Um, you couldn't get together. You couldn't collaborate with other agents. Um, you could be a Zoom, but not maybe in person. But you were really, really busy. Um, and, you know, just I, I have noticed that the coaching has exploded, but I also feel like more agents are... I mean, I've been in the business for 30 something years now, and I've seen a shift. You still have the part-time agents, but I've seen a shift more toward the, the agents who truly recognize that they're building a business 
And in order to build a business, you know, there are some things that they need to do. Um, and, and part of that is coaching and leadership, you know, having the leadership to guide them um, toward growing that business. Um, you're more in it than I am in an office. Do you find that you have a higher mix of like more professional, I guess Engel and Volkers is maybe a little higher end agent begin with because you're you're more of a luxury global brand but do you find that is to be true in general you know it's it's almost a topic of every sales meeting lately it's uh, <clears throat> there's those who want to take their business to the next level but they're mm -hmm. afraid of making that investment and i look at it and i think okay you're about to take an eight million dollar ten million dollar listing whatever that is and you have a client on the other end of that that's given you hundreds of thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. And in their mind, they're not giving it to you. They're giving it to a team. They're giving it to, like, they don't want to think that they couldn't reach you or, or another agent couldn't reach you for a showing on their home because you were busy with another client. They want to believe in their hearts that you have a plan for that, that you have an assistant or a partner or... Um, and, and that the balls won't get dropped during due diligence and all of those things. And so, you know, really transforming that kind of shift of um, the commission is not the money you make. The commission is the money that goes into your company and your company needs to actually be a company. And I'm actually kind of taking it further. I think over the next 10 years or so, um, who knows these, these days how many years it will really be, but we'll start talking about clients under management rather than homes sold. And um, what I mean by that is I think our value has to increase what we're offering a client, what we're offering a, a listing, you know, they can, for, for the most part, they can get on some form of an app and, uh, and they're doing that better than they ever have before, even better than most of our real estate agents embracing that technology. So we are going to have to up our game as to what we're bringing to the table. You know, we absolutely should have an attorney team, a design team, a, a inspection team, a repair team, and every little thing that goes into that. So that client knows that anywhere in the world they are, that we have them covered. And I think if we start making that shift right now, um, we'll do better when it becomes reality because it, I believe it will. Yeah, that's an interesting shift. Um, I'm going to have to explore that a little more. I mean, it goes beyond kind of the one-stop shop that's been discussed for years with affiliated services. It really kind of takes that to the next level. Yeah, I, yeah. I see that in the, on the horizon. Yeah. Um, well, you mentioned artificial intelligence, and obviously that's talk of the town right now with chat GPT. Um, what are your thoughts and, and um, are you doing anything with it at your brokerage company? You know, it's funny how fast it came online because this time last year, we were still talking about NFTs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then boom, here we are. What's mm -hmm. an NFT now, right? I, I do think this is here to stay. AI obviously is 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 going to change our industry in ways that we have been pretending nothing could really have that impact for for a long time. You know, I was at a conference recently where we went back into the 70s and looked every year at what's the fear of an of somebody in our industry and it really hasn't changed that much, but now you do have programs where you can go into realtor.com right now for example and build kind of your dream home and and then they have the interface to really kind of match that to a listing. You know, that is, um, that's real. And that is something that 
really gives us a glimpse because this is only 1.0 of, of, of this, this intelligence. You know, this is really the first phase. And um, there's going to be many phases to come. I think, for example, the Apple glasses, much like what Apple did with the iPad and the iPhone, they're not the first. But when they bring something out, it's going to have an impact. And I do see people this time next year putting on those Apple glasses and and having a very different walkthrough experience on their home purchase. And so what I've watched is for a while, it was kind of the brokerage that controlled um, our industry. And then that shifted to the agent in the last five, 10 years, where the agent became the free agent and the signing bonuses and all of, all of that that happened. But that shift forward, I think now the consumer actually has taken back the power. And I believe in this uh, wholeheartedly. And I, I think the consumer in many cases is using technology better than a lot of our agents are. And they will even be more, they'll, they'll, they will adapt quicker to the AI toys, I think, than a lot of the industry because the industry is afraid of the change. We're afraid of being replaced. We're afraid of a lot of things um, that really we should be embracing. You know, change is not easy, but it, it, it's here. So I, I definitely think that those right now who become curious, I love the word curious, those who become curious about what it means to be a client right now and what tools are out there and to really truly learn those tools and embrace those tools will have that edge to be able to educate their consumers better. Because at the end of all of this, they're still going to want to come to us to learn what they should be using and, and not using. And, and it's up to us to make it easier. Yeah, absolutely. And, and um, it's interesting. You said they, you know, so in that conference, you went through the years and, um, you know, ever since I've been in the industry, it's always been the next thing that's going to disintermediate the agent, whether it's then Zillow and then it's whatever, and it's iBuyers and it's this and it's that. Um, and it's never happened um, because real estate is personal. Real estate is local. Um, you know, so it's real estate is relationships. Um, so to me, these enhance, they can enhance your relationships. They can enhance your business, make your business more efficient. But I don't really see them um, replacing the agent in the transaction per se. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I agree completely. I uh, And I'll take it one step further. The financial side is, you know, there's always going to be a seller that looks at whatever that app is. And that app says, mm -hmm. your home's worth 3 million. And that seller says, no, 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 no. My home's worth 4 million. And I'm going to find someone that believes in that 4 million that helps me get that 4 million. And, you know, I really don't see that barter system ever going away um, for, for our industry. I, because it's not like a manufactured car where, you know, mm -hmm. the majority are the same, and especially when you start talking uh, lug luxury homes, custom homes, uh, where every lot's different, every home's different and so forth. Every architect's different. So, um, I believe that technology is there to make not only the client's life more efficient, but also our brokerage and realtor life more efficient. And we just need to educate ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I want to talk opportunity in this market. Where do you see the most opportunity for brokerage leaders um, in today's market or industry in general? Yeah, it goes back to some of the things we talked about, I, I think the opportunity there right now is leadership. I think really, if you think about the last, I don't know, handful of years, the amount of, 
<clears throat> excuse me, the amount of brokerages that have one virtual broker for a hundred thousand agents, whatever it is. And the amount of, Hey, um, you don't really need any services. Keep your money. Come to us. Um, you know, that has backfired for a lot of people. They, for whatever reason, they have determined they either like or want more or need more support or want to be around more people or want the culture. You know, uh, there, uh, some, um, one of the uh, uh, CEOs recently said uh, that the craziest experiment America has ever seen is, is the work from home experiment. You know, and I feel it in the brokerages, you know, our brokerages, our offices that are doing best are, are actually back to work with each other in person and not on Zoom meetings every week. And uh, that collaboration is a real thing. And so I think the opportunity there is for us to really figure out how to take today's, you know, higher commission splits, higher rents, all of those things, but still put it together in a way where we can offer that support, that leadership, that training, that culture um, that really inspires a group of people to work together so that as a team, they're able to do more for the community, more for the client. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I did um, speak with a with a big um, CEO of um, one of the major brands, and he is requiring that the agents come back to work. Well, he's suggesting, I mean, he's encouraging them to come back to work, but the corporate office is all back in person. Um, but what he did was combined one of their sales offices with the corporate office, um, you know, so smaller space, saving some money, but more collaboration and with the agents in the office as well um, as the leadership. So I thought that was interesting for sure. Yeah. So where do you look for inspiration or motivation? Are there any podcasts, books, um, any leaders that you follow? I know everybody's always looking for, um, you know, that type of inspiration or motivation, whether it's through, like I said, a podcast, a book, uh, you know, a person, a coach. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a nerd. Every morning, I read just so, everything and anything I possibly can to start my day on the latest news or ideas. Or, um, you know, I follow a lot of successful people that are, you know, they've smarter than I've been and created these large companies. And I watch what they're doing as far as decisions and how they communicate their decisions mm -hmm. and how, how much time they and data they use to make their decisions. Of course, but I would say mostly today it's the opposite. I, I look within, meaning my own people, um, okay. really trying to listen to everyone in our on our staff, all of our leaders, our agents. What is it, if we really take the time to listen, what is it that they are saying that maybe they don't want us to hear uh, mm -hmm. or want us to hear or afraid to say? Um, I think if we take the time to listen there and and really try to kind of drive the needs right now, um, mm -hmm. you know, then we can build something that we're proud of. And uh, that is pretty motivational to me. Yeah, I love that. Definitely. And, you know, the the smallest um, comment could make the biggest impact um, as well. So, uh, you know, I was listening to a podcast and it was the um, it was about the Priceline uh, founder, the founder of Priceline. And he had read some article about bananas 
you know, where they're, you know, as they ripen, they caught, co- they cost less because they want to move them. And he thought, well, what if we did that with hotels and airlines, you know, as they get closer to the date of the travel, um, you know, with these airlines. So it was a completely unrelated business. Um, and a, just a small kind of nugget that spurred this huge company. So, um, you know, and, and it could be the same with someone that works for you having an idea for an efficiency or um, something that ends up really being um, powerful in how you do your, how you run your business. The moment we stop listening, we stop growing. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so advice, if you could offer other brokers some advice when growing their businesses, and I'm thinking some of these um, brokers who are really looking to grow, but haven't really, um, you know, kind of made that move yet. What, advice would you offer or lesson would you offer that that you learned, um, you know, growing your business? You know, taking it back to the people, understanding the power power of even just one in -hmm. a good or bad way. Um, You know, one opinion leader that is your raving lunatic fan can be amazing uh, Mm -hmm. in in your community and so forth. And, and that's a person that needs to be embraced and, and um, listened to certainly, but also maybe even, put on a bigger stage sometimes, but Mm -hmm. the flip side is true too. And I I think it's something you have to react very quickly. If, if you have the wrong fit, no matter how much production they do, or no matter how hard you work to bring that person in, no matter how wrong you are, Mm -hmm. um, you have to make that change fast because, you know, one, it literally can be one person that can destroy an office. And I've, I've seen it, you know, and, um, Mm -hmm. but I, I tend to think we react too slow because we're maybe we're stubborn, whatever it is, but that's something that react very quickly as is my advice is look for that. Be aware of that. Never stop looking for that. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, what's next for your firm? Uh, You know, next for us, I would say uh, our vision board really is, is, is ultimately to not only be successful in our communities, um, kind of each and individual wherever we are to, to really hold that success, but become a bigger part of the community. And I think that whenever I watch uh, one of our offices where they start giving back more and they start feeling what that means, that reward that they take home, and then even the families get involved and um, you know, the message that sends to the community, it really takes business to a different level where it's a lot less transactional and, and a lot more about being part of something and, um, it's a pretty rewarding way to go to bed at night. So uh, really building on that and uh, until it's fulfilled. Well, Paul, that is a perfect way to end the podcast today um, on that positive note. So thank you so much for joining Real Trending and congratulations on being a 2023 game changer. Thank you for the invite and uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for listening to Real Trending. If you haven't already, we'd love it if you'd take a minute to rate the show or leave a comment. And we will see you next week with more news and insights.